You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to first start out by saying today's bonus episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. So again, this is a bonus episode. We're kind of in that three-day-a-week thing. And I, you know, yesterday's show was the every single first-round pick in the 90s, going through them, talking about them. And I wanted to do the second round, but I got sidetracked. And this whole episode is going to be about Daryl Whitmore. A whole episode to a player who never actually suited up for the Indians. Uh, Fascinating player in a lot of regards. And that's why I wanted to do a whole show on him, because there's so much to talk about. Uh, You know, I knew the name, primarily from reading about who the Indians lost in the expansion draft in 92. Um, I remember at the time, I believe I watched that. I remember watching... You know, David Need versus Nigel Wilson. You know, those were the top two picks in that draft um, in terms of order. And that the only reason that David Need was even out there is because uh, Deion Sanders had had a good postseason at the last second. Uh, the owner demanded that he was protected. So there's this pitching prospect, like one of the Braves' best pitching prospects, and he's available. And the hype of that. Uh, we all knew who was going one and two and who would go after that and who would the Indians lose. Uh, so on so forth in that expansion draft and I was intrigued Uh, I sat down to watch it and was he the first uh, yeah he was the first guy the Indians lost and I remember being relieved like whoo okay so we didn't lose anyone I was too scared about losing we can make it through um, for that draft you know they lost Jack Armstrong in the second round and I'm kind of curious to go down and see and then Denny Boucher was the third guy who was also, you know, one of the spare pieces. It, it is kind of interesting to go back to last week because Denny Boucher was in the um, the Candiotti deal and Jack Armstrong was in the Greg Swindell deal. So you had uh, two guys who were in those two pitcher deals that we focused on last Friday. You know, obviously there's someone like Trevor Hoffman was the eighth selection in that draft. Uh, Eric Young, who became a, a solid second baseman, was the 11th selection. Joe Girardi was near the end. Brian Harvey still had good years ahead of him. Jeff Conine, Carl Everett, those are guys who had good years coming up. Andy Ashby was nearing the the back end. Uh, Vinny Castilla was listed as a shortstop at the time. How about that? I mean, I, I couldn't picture him. Brad Osmus, Danny Jackson. And then just an, a little personal trivia here. Uh, 72nd and last pick, Jeff Tabak, Tabaki. Uh, he stands out for me because he's the only like uh, professional pitcher, professional player, I should say, out of my uh, high school where I went to Copley High School in the uh, Fairlawn area, Akron area. Uh, but yeah, so he was uh, he's the only guy who came out of my school to pitch, uh, to play in the majors, let alone pitch. Uh, I also see Curtis Kansick in there, part of that great 89 Indians draft class. Uh, Eric Wedge, future Indians manager, was part of that expansion draft. I do remember watching it and them talking about Kevin Ritz and uh, making a bad bunch of bad puns, which at the time even uh, I realized were terrible uh, puns. David Weathers would also eventually join the Indians. A lot of little ties. Willie Blair, who was uh, someone the Indians had and traded away. Uh, Alex Cole went one pick after Daryl Whitmore, former Indian great. Uh, you can't see my air quotes. But uh, the third pick, Charlie Hayes, you know, his son is uh, 
Cabron Hayes, and, and Charlie turned into a very good player. So this was actually a pretty good draft on the whole, but I think it's uh, it's interesting to focus in on Daryl Whitmore in particular. Uh, this was 90s week on the show. Daryl Whitmore was the Indians' second-round pick in the 1990 draft. Uh, we'll go into the second round later. I think I've talked about how that is like the worst round in Indians' history. Uh, I'll give this one little... So there's been 60 second-round picks by the Indians. Only five players have managed a baseball reference career war of better than six. Uh, number six on that list, the sixth highest value goes to Herb Perry. That's right, you heard me right. So it's not exactly an area the Indians have done well. Uh, Albert Bell has nearly 40% of the accrued value, and you know, as a player, being one of 60, he's worth like 1.6%, and he has 40% of the value. That's how, how bad it is, and I'll go into that more later. Uh, the Indians had... Uh, a high second round pick and I don't know why my picks are not in order here but oh it's because it went the wrong way but they had the sixth pick in the second round that year and for them uh, that was pick 46 overall so a top 50 pick where they they go and get Daryl Whitmore Uh, Bob Wickman was pick 44 went ahead of him uh rest of the second round, Phil Leftwich and Aaron Ledesma have the second best values, and Chris Haney is the second highest score overall. So, um, yeah, it was just not a good second round. If we jump to the third round, uh, Rick Becker, Dave Fleming, I remember him with the the Mariners, part of that uh, class. Uh, I'm spending too much time before I get into Whitmore. And then the fourth round, you get some more talent. James Baldwin, the pitcher, and Garrett Anderson, the outfielder. But overall, not a great round. But Whitmore stood out because I didn't know anything about him. The Indians take him in the 90 draft, and I don't know if it's due to age. It seems like after drafting someone in 90, he shouldn't be eligible for the 92 expansion draft, but Whitmore was. And he didn't have a whole lot of time in the Indian system. So let's just dive into Daryl Whitmore, the player, uh, talk about why he stands out so much. Daryl Whitmore was actually drafted out of high school um, by in the 10th round by the Toronto Blue Jays, who liked him enough to come back in 1988 and draft him in the 58th round. Now, I don't know how that was legal, because in the 10th round, he was out of high school, and in the in the 88 draft, he would have been a freshman in college. Um, now, he did not actually play until 89 and 90. He only played two seasons of baseball, which we'll get to in a second. And he doesn't play 87 in football, but he does start playing in 88 for West Virginia. And I talk about football because that's where he kind of started in college. And that's one of the things that makes him such an interesting player uh, to talk about. So Daryl Whitmore goes to the University of West Virginia. I was reading stuff on him and he was going to go to Maryland, but they wouldn't let him play baseball as well. So he goes to the University of West Virginia and is part of a, a team in 1988 that goes undefeated and loses by a touchdown in the national championship game uh, equivalency of the time. And he actually breaks his leg and is a huge loss for that team. Uh, not there for the championship, misses out. And he was a central cog, and he would start for them in 88, 89, 90, and 91, would leave the program with 14 interceptions, tied for sixth all-time currently in program history, you're talking about a guy who was a, a really good college safety, and that was primarily what he was, you know, viewed as. He went to college as a football player first, a baseball player second. But what he did once he became a baseball player is what led to him being a second round pick by the Indians, and we will get to that in one second here. 
our sponsor today is Built Bar. Built Bar is the healthy protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. We have been talking about them for a while. They're a fantastic sponsor. I have ordered um, from them. I really enjoyed the banana one recently that I had. They have a new banana flavor that I'm very tempted to try. And the best thing I can say is, you know, this is a product that I believe in and enjoy enough that I spend my own money on it. Uh, so especially if you're like me and you are someone who's gluten-free, it's nice to find a protein bar that like is not a rock, that is not building material. And this is a nice moist bar. So if you are looking for a new protein bar, you want to try some new flavors, go over to builtbar.com right now. Use the promo code locked on and you'll get $10 off your order. So builtbar.com using that promo code locked on. And again, just, this is a product that I myself use, enjoy, and think is worth your time to go check out. So as I mentioned, Whitmore breaks his leg at the end of the 88 season, misses that national championship game. And, you know, who knows how that would have changed things. So he doesn't get to play for the baseball team in 88 due to that injury, but he does come back in 89. And what comes up in everything I've seen is that he was the only African-American member of the 89 baseball team. And he was given assurances by the coach that he would get an opportunity to make the team. Now, I don't know if that's because, you know, he was recruited first as a football player, but there's also this degree of like, he would get, I mean, it almost makes it sound with the way it's phrased, like, yeah, you'll get a chance to play here, even though you're not like everybody else. Like, that's how it almost comes off when you're reading it, which is not the best thing. And you're like, wow, that's the late 80s and we're still having that. But there is a degree of that. But I think, you know, to give West Virginia the benefit of the doubt here, that it was more about the fact that he was a football recruit who they were going to let try baseball. But every article does point out that he was the only African-American on the team at the time. Uh, so he, he had to, he stood out, he had to deal with being the other, the different, but it didn't hold him back. So he gets, he gets healthy. He is healthy in 89. And I want to pull up the numbers. I have a few articles in front of me, so I want to make sure I have the correct one. And you can see why the Indians drafted him. Uh, we'll go into the numbers in a second, but so you have this guy who's clearly a really good athlete. He's playing at a high level for a, one of the top teams in the country gets hurt, comes back in 89. So he's got two years. 89, he's a part-time player. He only plays in 26 games, but he hits 407 uh, with two doubles, a home run. I I have to get these from an article. I wish they had them more insight. It's harder to find old baseball stats. So it, it has more of the, the stats that I don't use. But in 1990, he gets a chance to play every day. He plays in 45 games. He hits 386. So the average is still very high. 43 runs, 16 doubles, 3 triples, 10 home runs, 54... 54 RBIs. So what stands out, high batting average, high amount of extra base hits. You're seeing he's making really good contact. He has power. He has speed. And you'd think he could just be scratching the surface, right? Here's a kid who only has two years of college baseball. He was a football recruit and was an exceptionally talented football player. Uh, And if you dive deeper, you know, again, he's dealing a situation where he is the other. He's going to stand out because he's the only African-American, there's a lot of reasons to think that he has a very bright future. So in 1990, after that uh, really strong year, really his only extended uh, baseball season, the Indians draft him, as I mentioned, 46 overall. He goes down to the minors, plays at age 21 in Burlington in 30 games. Not the best numbers, we'll be honest. And then I mention this because in the 91 uh, it must have been written into his contract. He gets to go back and play football. So he plays football in the his senior year for West Virginia, comes back to the Indians, 
and in the 91 season he barely or barely plays um i don't know exactly what went there it's he's a person where it's hard to find the information i'm like did he get hurt was there a bigger issue uh for whatever reason he doesn't play in 91 though and as much as i dug and dug and dug i couldn't find much if you like look daryl whitmore 1991 uh almost every article is people having misinformation and claiming he was drafted in 91 when you get down to it again we know he's drafted in 90 now he plays football in 90 and in 91 so while the indians draft him in 90 remember the draft is going to be in june of 90 the football season of 90 is in the fall so my only conclusion of why he didn't play in 91 is that he was still on campus um i don't know how that affects eligibility and the like that he was doing dual sports at the time but yeah the indians draft him june of 90 he still goes and plays football in 90 and 91 for west virginia and for the indians in 90 he appears in 30 games and 91 he appears in six games so 92 he is fully with the team because again you know think about it when the 92 91 football season ends that's his 92 season so he is in cleveland at that point and he gets to play in 121 games and in high a and this means that you know he hasn't been fully competitive really since 90 he took a year off where he was hurt i don't know the specifics but there's some logic to why he might not have played in 91 and he has a 770 ops 280 batting average 363 on base a 406 slugging 56 walks to 90 strikeouts 22 doubles 10 home runs 17 stolen bases this is his first chance okay plays a little in 90 has a really great college season that year. Barely appears in anything in 91. Comes in in 92 and gets thrown into the deep end by playing in high A and performs well. At this point, he is three years from his draft. Uh, so I assume that is why at the end of that year, he was eligible for the expansion draft. And the Marlins swoop him up. So he goes from high A to the majors. He would appear in 76 games that year in 93 with the Marlins and would appear in AAA for 73 games. And I want to pull these numbers out because he's 24 years old. He's very young. He goes right from high A to the majors, and he struggles. With the Marlins, he hits 209, 249 on base, a 300 slugging for a 549 OPS. In AAA that year, though, in 73 games, about an even split, he hit 355, 399 on base percentage, 557 slugging. 956 uh, OPS. He has uh, just a fantastic season for the AAA team. So then he gets a chance back in 94 with the Marlins. Struggles, but he does well again in AAA. At age 26, he gets another opportunity and he really struggles. But again, he is fantastic in AAA. So you wonder with Whitmore if he hadn't gotten thrown into things. Like, could he have been a good outfielder for the Indians if he had the proper amount of time to develop? He just seemed to not be able to make that jump from AAA to the majors. Like, he would have a OPS from, you know, 850 or higher in AAA. And in the majors, he wouldn't even be able to get his OPS up to 600. So there was this disconnect. And part of it is, it's a guy who played one and a half years of college baseball, has a big gap, plays well for the Indians when he's given that opportunity in high A and then gets thrown to the majors. He's with an expansion team. Those are always kind of chaotic, crazy situations. And he never really gets that full opportunity to develop throughout his career. I mean, in AAA, he just keeps excelling. Age 28, uh, so the age 27 year was last year he appeared in the majors. uh, And I'm sorry, his age 25, 26 years last year, he 
played in the majors, and that was in 1995. But in 96, he's still with Florida, 857 OPS in AAA. 96, he goes over to Japan, 770 OPS. So, I mean, the Japanese uh, league is, I don't want to say comparable to like AAA or almost like a quad A, but there is some degree of that. And he's over there with with Chiba, who's a, a strong team. He performs well, but he wants to come back home, it looks like. So the next few years, I mean, 29 for Pittsburgh and Nashville, 309, 389, 579, 968, 21 home runs, 19 doubles, like really strong production. You go down the next year at age 30 in Indianapolis, uh, 838 uh, OPS. Like It starts to fall off as he gets into his mid-30s here, but the long and short of it is here was this really, really good athlete, a guy that I had no idea about, who I had to dig deep into to find more on because I was like, this is who we let off the 90s with with our second-round pick. I only remember him in terms of being this guy the Indians lost in the expansion draft and being happy they lost him because they didn't lose someone I was afraid they were going to lose. And now, as I go back and look at it, you know, decades later, I can't help but wonder, like, what could have been? What if? You know, here is a talented athletic player who showed signs of life in high A after taking an entire year off, after playing a year and a half of college baseball, who was still amongst one of the uh, the all-time great interception artists for West Virginia football. And he gets thrown in the majors and just struggles. But when he's in AAA, he's able to perform well throughout his entire career. It's like if he had had that opportunity to work his way through, if he had had coaches working with him you know, every step of the way to, to improve things because he was such a raw talent, what would have his career been like? It makes me want to go back and wish that they had taken someone else, that there was another player that I was worried about them losing that had been taken and that Whitmore would have had more of a chance to work his way through the system. You know, would he have been the guy instead of Wayne Kirby in in the 94-95 Indians kind of holding that spot down? Possibly. I mean, he would be in the majors, I would think, by 94, ready to go if you have him even moving slowly through the minors. Just an utterly fascinating second-round pick. You have this two-sport athlete who... Again, you know, I'm still trying to figure it all out as he gets drafted in 87 and 88 by the Blue Jays. Then the Indians take him in 90. Most places you find him online misreport his draft year. A lot of places talk about, well, they let him go play a senior year after being drafted in the 90 draft. It's like, no, after the 90 draft, they let him play two more years of college football. And that slowed down his overall development as well. And that might be one of those things that kind of held back his development and why there were so few games his first two years in the minors. And then when he finally got that opportunity to perform, and he did, unfortunately the Marlins jumped in and scooped him up. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about the fact that one of the few articles I could find on him was from a December 7th, 1992 uh, Jet magazine about the expansion draft becomes a showcase for black talent. And it is interesting to kind of look through it that... There were several six black athletes taken in the first round of that draft, and uh, you know it doesn't have all of the the players right here, like Don Baylor and Kevin Mitchell and Alex Cole and Daryl Whitmore, as it kind of goes through. And if you just think about it, even the sport today, uh, in the first round of that draft, I would have to look at the total number of players. But the fact that that there were six African American players, that's 
That's a really high percentage, just when you consider even, you know, we talk about the RBI program and all the great things that does, and but the underrepresentation in baseball of, of African-American players does come up. Um, and not to politis, political si- politicize anything or to make a big deal, but, you know, that is a topic that comes up. But that this uh, expansion draft in 92, uh, first round was... 26 picks and of those 26 picks six of them being african-american players was enough that jet magazine you know did a whole article on it i think that's something interesting as well but yeah daryl whitmore um maybe not the guy you were expecting me to to do a whole episode on but i think just judging on the length and what i've talked about here i'm over 20 minutes i can see uh very much deserving he's kind of a, a great what if uh you know i've talked about those guys who stood out for for various reasons i'm blanking on the first baseman right now who was the you know the power hitter with extreme power that i talked in the previous uh podcast about like the all-time great teams but there are these guys who kind of pop up and you wonder what could have been or what if and again with whitmore it's he was a guy that the profile is something that i'm kind of surprised the indians went for during that era uh this is a hank peters selection uh, this is his final draft in Cleveland, and Hank Peters probably had the best drafting. I'm not probably. Hank Peters was the single best person in terms of the draft, Hank Peters Jr., to be specific, in Indians history. When you go and you talk about the fact that, you know, second rounders were an utter, that I talked about at the top of the show, that only five players have a career war of six or better among second round picks. Three of those guys were Hank Peters. So three of the five. Um, every other GM is, you know, two for whatever and peters only ran the team for four years i think top of my head so just to give hank peters jr some more credit but yeah it's whitmore is fascinating to me i wish there was more there should be more because again this is a guy who was an integral cog on a west virginia football team that nearly won a national championship had a very short baseball career but during that time was the only player of color on his college baseball team at west virginia was a second round pick by an Indians team that had a high second round pick who then let him play two more years of college football. He would then come to the Indians for one great year before being selected in the first round of the expansion draft. Like, you know, I, I'm reiterating, but all that together just made him this guy that as I dog and dog, I'm like, I want to find more. There should be more. This is a really interesting player who is a great what if. So in honor of 90s week, uh, Daryl Whitmore, a 23 minute podcast. I, I know none of you were expecting that. So I'm looking forward to feedback on this one. Uh, I'm hoping I opened some eyes or, you know, made a, an interesting topic to talk about. But yeah, go go to the baseball reference page. Go to the baseball cube page. Spend some time looking over it. It's He's interesting. I want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, you guys are what keep this podcast going. The rating, the reviewing, the downloads, all of that are so integral to keeping this show successful and on the air. Um, I don't want to talk about all the the negatives right now because we have enough negatives. When we have definitive information, I will talk about that. Um, And of course, the draft is going to be something we will be very focused on these next few weeks as that is just something I am very focused on. So I hope you uh, will tune in as I expand for more as we lead up to the draft. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. You have been fantastic as always. Thank you so much for everything the fan base does. And as always, go Tribe.